Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient, and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. Hi, this is David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. I'm joined today by Guillaume Danielo, who's a good friend and someone I look up to a lot, and the CEO of the Strauman Group. We first got to know each other and worked together a bit back in 2017 when Strauman acquired Loop, which was a referral management communication platform that I had developed. And that was just an extremely impactful experience in my life to get to collaborate with Guillaume and his team. I think it really opened my eyes to the opportunities that exist in dentistry and and more specifically oral surgery, and in some ways inspired me to create what's now become Paradigm. And I've always said there's two experiences that I think really shaped the way I think about delivering healthcare and the business of healthcare. And that was first training at the Mayo Clinic and then second, getting to work with Guillaume and his team at Strauman. So, Guillaume, thank you for all you've done for me, and, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks, David. Thanks for the nice word and uh, the nice introduction. I'm just uh, excited to be with you today, and uh, you have been also one uh, very inspiring partner for us and uh, helping us to try to think differently and deliver our best in order to support customers. And you are an amazing example of someone being able to think out of the box and trying to drive more care to patients in a more efficient way. And uh, this is aligned with our purpose as a company. Then uh, always uh, fantastic to share some time with you and sharing some thoughts to build strong companies and especially delivering confidence to patient back. Well, thank you. Oh, I've used these discussions or this podcast to learn from other individuals that have had success in business or in clinical practice. And it's been a nice surgeon for our surgeons in Paradigm or others throughout dentistry who are interested in these types of topics to translate ideas or thoughts or experiences that others have had. So I think Strauman is now maybe the first or second largest company in dentistry by market cap. You would probably know better, but clearly you've done something right. So I think it would be awesome if we could sort of learn from you a bit today. And the three areas I was thinking about was first your background and what's contributed to your path to lead Strauman. And then second, what you found to be really important in building a phenomenal business and culture. And then lastly, technology and dentistry and what you see for the future. So maybe a lot to cover, just uh, you know, a couple of questions on, on each area, if that sounds like a reasonable plan. Sounds uh, like a good plan. Looking forward to it. Okay, great. Well, just I think to start off, just so everyone kind of has context for our conversation, you know, where your thoughts come from, maybe tell us a bit about your background and what led to eventually becoming CEO of Strauman. Yeah, well, I grew up in France and um, just started by studying physics. Then after my master's degree, I decided to uh, complete my education with uh, an MBA to discover the business side. And I got really excited by this and decided to continue on, on this area without having some very, very clear career path in mind. What was more important for me, I would say, it's uh, I had a three major drivers. And the first one, very important, was doing something, delivering value for people behind the business side. Naturally, I went, therefore, for the healthcare sector, and I work only for a healthcare company, a great company in Denmark called Coloplast. And uh, I went German company also called uh, B. Brown for hospital care product and supporting people with chronic care. 
And I have to uh, join dentistry by first joining a dance fly in France and afterwards in 2007, joining Proman was a really company I was looking up to. Having a meaningful impact on people's life has always been one of my key motivator. And I think this is what Stroman gave me at the beginning as in this organization, you really have the possibility to create impact. That's still a size of a company where you can influence decision, whether I was just leading the, the French organization. There is a very culture of dialogue and being able to listen to the people that are really close to customers and that customer centricity has been always there from the very beginning. My, my second driver from a career choice standpoint was a lifelong journey. I have really a passion for learning. I like uh, discovering new things, new people, new culture. This is what has made me growing as a professional and also as a person. Being candid and curious has been uh, one of the major drivers of career development, I have to say. And actually, it's not only the best way to learn, but also the best way to connect with people as you recognize the value they can have for you. And uh, that's why I think being able to jump on the phone with you when uh, we just met and wanting to learn what Loop is about and how it is helping you and what can, we can learn from you at that time has just changed also the way we have continued to do digital transformation is in our organization. Then lifelong journey, it's a passion of mine and I will continue doing that even beside my professional life. And the third one is teamwork. Building up your own company or being alone as a consultant or whatever, it, it has never been for me. Creating strong teams is what is exciting me. Creating high performance and impact by adding together, you know, like-minded people, but from different backgrounds, different skill sets, different perspective. It's someone which I've seen is delivering amazing value and it's a never-ending journey. Then I would say this has been also one of the reasons I've been changing companies or teams but always with creating success together. Then step-by-step step from challenges to challenges, from uh, region to region, teams to teams, I gathered the right experience and some of the right skills and also the luck to be at the good place at the right moment, having the trust of the people I was working with to be offered the privilege of leading this great common organization. And that's the way I became CEO after already spending 16 years in this organization. Very proud to work with the rest of the team and especially combining our talent with all the clinicians' talent to uh, bring back confidence in patients' life. Every time we talk, I always get excited because I feel like you're saying what I'm thinking. I just can't say it. You uh, articulated so much better. Those ideas and drivers like really resonate with me. And I got to hear David Epstein, who's an author, speak about a year ago, and he was talking about generalists in a specialized world. And he, you know, he talked about how, you know, you think about people being so specialized and, you know, whether it's Tiger Woods or Serena Williams, and those are the people that have success. But he said, when you follow people throughout their careers over longer periods of time, it's generalists, the people that have had like diverse experience and built upon them. I think kind of what you're talking about, lifelong learning. So that's like an idea that I think really resonates with me. I hope it's true because I don't have a very specialized back. I guess I'm pretty 
fragmented in my training. But then the other thing that you said, the last part, building teams, dating back to, I guess, even the Loop Project, this idea of like communication and connectedness has been really important to me and what we've something we've tried to create either through technology or culture. But how have you managed to do that across a whole global organization, you know, build different teams, yet one large team and a strong culture while having thousands and thousands of employees? I think it's one of the uh, the ground that uh, all large organizations are looking at, making sure that uh, I would say building a strong culture is about. I don't remember which leader that I, I was trying to listen to uh, was always saying. He was saying, uh, culture is the way things are doing around here, especially when I'm not there as a leader. And I find it exactly to the point because, of course, the more you are in a large organization, the less you can be here when people are taking decisions. And you want to make sure that you create an environment where people can be sharing the same values, being led by a common purpose, but still empowering them to be able to uh, make their own experience, take their own risks, being able to fail, learn from those failures and start again. I think it has been all starting to build this kind of culture to make sure that we are helping people to become the best version of themselves. And to be honest, this is not easy. It takes time. And we have been uh, learning a lot of lessons along the way. And it's uh, also here a never-ending journey. I would say our discovery and my discovery about corporate culture has all started with an iceberg. This is the iceberg being able to understand that what you see outside is coming from deeply inside. And I like very much one of the speakers that came to us saying that um, companies don't transform, only individual does. And you need to transform your company each individual at a time. When you really realize this, you say it's a huge task. And if you want to try to understand how to do that first, then let's start by the leadership team. And it's all about trying to put together what is deep on the core belief, on your values, and because your your beliefs are shaping your mental models. And then this is driving your mindset and your thought process, and your thought process is driving your behaviors. And very often we're asking people to change behaviors or to do things differently, but if they are still keeping thinking the same, they will never do things differently then it's how do we influence values and beliefs in the organization in order to drive to a common way of thinking afterwards to make sure that people will somewhat behave the same in front of a challenge. And this is uh, what has been uh, our very strong focus in the past, I would say, uh, more than 10 years in our organization to build a core belief that are in line with what we think it's best for the company and especially what is authentic in line with the executive team. And yeah, I think this is the way we have been able to shape culture. And I think that we have been able to build a very high performance player learner culture, as we call it. And we have seen, honestly, that culture has been creating trust in organization and trust creates speed because you don't need to challenge everyone all the time about what they are doing and speed create results. That's a good topic, thinking about speed. And I know when we started working together, I was blown away at how agile you were at the time. And just, I think we talked one day and the next day I was on a plane to Boston or something. So I love that intensity. 
But how do you think about balancing agility and speed and decision making versus discipline and diligence? And I know Jeff Bezos talks about a slow decision can be worse than a wrong decision. And that's, of course, a, you know, a technology business, which might be a little bit different than healthcare. But I suppose healthcare is becoming more and more about technology and is probably a lot closer to technology than selling books was three decades ago. So how do you think about speed versus discipline? That's a very good question. Very interesting question, David. And here I want to um, paraphrase someone with whom we have shared a lot on culture because uh, he has been uh, also uh, building a very strong culture in a dental service organization, which is Kevin Mosher, which has been successful. And uh, we were discussing a lot about this. And uh, he was giving an example that I like to use all the time to illustrate this point is, it depends what kind of decisions or area in the company you are. And they were calling it the one-door decision or the two-door decisions. And I don't know if you have heard about mm. this concept. The two-door decision is that uh, you can uh, take a decision, so take this path, and if it does not work, you come back and you start again. And it's uh, then on this one, you need to have speed because you need to look at all the different options. If you have not chosen the right option, you come back, you change, and you have that agile way of working, which is making you sure that you can try again and find the right way. And the iteration, it's really needing that speed you, know, you are not getting stuck in some way. The one-door decision is clearly the one that are engaging you to the midterm or potentially to the long-term, large decision investment, a large technology decision, technology platform decision, where obviously that's where you need to have clear decision-making process. You need to have strong data to also potentially be able to be used for this. Those are the ones where you have to get them very often right to build up success of the company from a consistency standpoint. And I think there is not one right answer being you have to be agile all the time or you have to be, you know, I prefer discipline. It's always the same. You need to get flexible and agile where the organization needs to be flexible and agile, and you need to be disciplined and process-driven in the area where you need to be disciplined and process-driven. And that's where you need to put the right people in the right place, depending on the skill set and the mindset that they are having. I love that two-way door concept. My background being a surgeon and now more focused on the business side, it's been kind of like an extremes where surgically, it's not a two-way door. <laughs> You put someone to sleep, there's no going back. So there doesn't allow for a lot of iteration from a clinical perspective. But on the business side, it's, you know, a bit more liberating in that you can iterate on things to create the perfect patient experience by, you know, how you're implementing technologies and things. So I kind of experienced that in extremes. I love that concept. Thinking about sort of where businesses should be focused from a paradigm perspective, what we do, we love to grow through de novo practices or mergers or optimizing our existing practices. But our intense focus is product development. And for us, our product is surgical outcomes. What implant do we put in? How do we do it? How do we follow up on care? How do we create a great experience from the moment the patient's calls to when they first take a bite of food with their new tooth and then eventually pay their bill? So it's that part of it that's our core business. We're allowed to do everything else if we can do that super, super well. So that's kind of like where I think our organization, our focus in. Straumann's obviously a super diverse company. Is there, how do you think about your focus or how do you advise people to focus on one core aspect? You know, focus for us is customer. This is the number one focus I'm asking to the entire company. 
because the success of our customer is the success of the organization. Being able to spend time with customers, understanding their needs, being able to anticipate what you will be expecting from your partner to drive success in the practice, it's really what is our core focus. And the rest is just putting things in place in order to get there. It happens that obviously we have been able to be doing this with dental implants, that we have been able to learn what was the challenges about the clinicians and what they were wanting to see more of and less of. Uh, And uh, this is uh, all afterwards the investment that we have to do as an organization to put in place uh, around that kind of product dimension. However, what is really interesting when you really focus on the customer, you just realize that product is by far not the only dimension when they want you to focus on or at least to deliver on. And there is all the extended part of the product, which is the service dimension when it comes from uh, ordering the product, when it comes to supporting quality, when it comes to uh, especially education, all the dimensions have been afterwards something that the company developed step by step in order to make sure that we can offer all the means for customers to be successful in what they are doing. Then we have been focusing on innovation, obviously, to try to push boundaries where clinicians were wanting to go. Then first from proving that dental implants was working and was a reliable solution, you know, that we are coming really from being a pioneer in dental implants. We have been able to invest significantly in clinical research for proving and driving clinical evidence about this. Then we develop a lot of new material in order to bring additional solutions. And then we are, of course, in the digital dimensions where it's more than just of the product and the education, but it's also the clinician experience end-to-end, which is going to make the difference tomorrow. Then, yeah, our focus is making sure we understand the customer as best as we can and trying to find all the way to bring this high-level satisfaction to uh, really deserve his loyalty. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it is your core is supporting the surgeon customer. And that's obviously changing with technology, what that support looks like. You know, I guess that kind of brings us to maybe that the last category, technology, a nice transition there. What do you think about the future of dental implants? Are there further advances that can be made in terms of technology or, or titanium surface technologies design? Or is most of the future more about things like biomodulators, digital workflows, manufacturing technologies? What do you think your customer is going to look like in the future and what types of areas do you think are most important to support? I think there are, at least I've heard two key questions, uh, David, and this is what are going to be our customers tomorrow and what kind of technology will be important. I think those are the very important, well, disrupting trends, I would say, in dental and our dental implant environment. The first one is everyone is noticing this is obviously the consolidation of the caregiver and this kind of care delivery is significantly changing. Then our customers are changing. We have seen this consolidation, which has started years ago and it will continue to happen because obviously standardization in dental was necessary to ensure on the one side, higher quality and higher consistency in treatment for the benefit of the patient. Why I'm saying that is because we know that DSO with their investing capability are really investing in both 
technology on the one side and education on the other side, which I think a paradigm is really setting a benchmark here, which is really supporting, at least when it comes to dental implants, the increase of quality of care and especially the solution that you can provide to the different patients. Payment is changing too. And you know that a lot also in North America as an example, but it's the case globally. It's more and more on the patient side to take even more the cost burden, which means that it will change also the decision-making process. I do believe that total patient experience will become more and more important because they will pay more on their side, then they will be much more regarding on where they go and what kind of care they are going to be delivered. And that's why we have seen a trend which will increase in the future, which is uh, dentistry is going more retail with that patient satisfaction in mind. And this is leading to new success factors that are currently done. We see more branding, we see more patient NPS measurements, as a key performance indicator of dental practices, which is very different than in the past, which is actually quite exciting to see this because as we are very patient-oriented also as an organization, we are really happy to support here the practices and our partners doing this. I love the concept of retail healthcare. And I think when some people hear the term, they might discount it as like a cheapened type of experience. But I think it's more about creating value, convenience, quality, creating superior retail experience. But I think in healthcare, it's a little bit different in that I think people are striving towards a retail approach, but I think there's opportunity and that healthcare is different. It's still personalized. You still, it needs to be individualized. It's different than going into, you know, Chipotle or Starbucks. Well, even then, I guess they have some element of individualization when you order your latte with three different flavors and different kinds of milk and everything else. But I think that uh, there's opportunity in medicine and dentistry to sort of think about it, but in a very individualized, personalized fashion where your data is very protected and you have this relationship with the doctor. So I haven't totally figured out where the opportunity is there, but I think it's something to think about for the future. If I may on this one, David, and thanks for for the precision. When I'm talking about going retail is that patient preference are much more taken into account, which was not the case before. And, you know, I've been now in dentistry for more than 20 years. And every time I was saying what kind of job I was having, people were looking at me saying, I don't like it. <laughs> I think this can really, and this is changing. There is a way to bring patient in to ensure that their fear of dentistry is taken care of, that to transform their experience. And retail is just about experience building. And we are very much, and it's the same in digitalization, caring about the clinician experience. And we see more and more practice caring about the patient experience. And in this way, where before a clinician was doing a, a great job by just having the right clinical procedure in front of that clinical challenge. But now I think because of new environment around us, an appreciated job in dentistry is when not only you are doing the right procedure with the right outcome, but also having delivered an experience which is going to be positive end-to-end. And I think this is really a very strong development. And we see that also with those uh, technology where you can individualize all the different channels to communication with any patients the way he prefers that. 
I, I totally agree. That's what we've been striving for so much is to create that experience for patients. So I'm 100% aligned with that. And that's been one of the really gratifying things about as we've gone from what was our initial practice, which was in a few states and, you know, a smaller typical type of practice to a larger group practice that's spread out across the country is now we can pool resources between one another and how we think about what we're building is the way we can invest in it is much different than before, where fiscally, when it's, you know, me and five other partners or seven other partners, we sort of have to, you know, maybe we don't have to, but you just naturally sort of think about it, the dollars and cents a bit different in terms of how you're investing in your practice. But in this sort of new model, it's more about how are we building something that's very sustainable that can exist for decades to come and have value. We don't necessarily, you know, sure, we'd like to make money, but the way we think about making money is over a very long term, building something that's 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 sustainable and can do things differently and can scale. So that's been really, really exciting and totally liberated me to think differently and invest differently and spend differently. Because it's not necessarily about the dollars and cents today. It's about how we look two decades from now. I believe there is a very strong relationship existing in between a patient and his clinician and the dental practice. Trust is everything. It's very uh, interesting when you are able to build this because still there is a fear of patients not being able to understand really what the situation of his uh, oral health situation is about and being able to trust someone who is going to uh, place an implant, do surgery, it's the very first step in order to make sure that uh, you are going to have a high case acceptance and the way you are able to build this rapport with the patients, not only in the in the first appointment, but in all the different appointments that you're going to have in the practice. Well, and I think dentistry is like the perfect environment where there's an opportunity to even increase that trusted relationship. I think naturally, probably in medicine, there's maybe, you know, as you look at studies, there seems to be a bit more level of trust with, I guess, society and a physician versus dentistry. Not that dentists aren't highly trusted and things. When when you look at some of those surveys and things, it you know, falls a little bit below medicine. And I think that probably stems from some of the lack of standardization. And there's just not as much money invested in dentistry historically. So maybe some of the newer technologies and things were harder to access. Now, I think with this avalanche of technology, the having access to different things at lower costs are becoming more and more available. And I think we happen to be in like just a great business because the treatment preferences or what different dentists were treatment plan, whether it was an amalgam filling or a buildup or a crown or a three unit bridge or splinting together mobile teeth. There's been a lot of antiquated treatments done in dentistry, hemisections, root amputations, things that if they were value-based care in healthcare would probably never be allowed to be. You wouldn't be hemisecting a tooth and trying to keep a tooth with 90% bone loss. So I think some of those things have resulted in a lot of patient dissatisfaction where they're like, I go to the dentist every year, I spend more money, my teeth keep falling out. And I think being in the area that we are in surgery and dental implants, which is such a awesome treatment and well-studied and just objectively a great thing. I think it gives us an opportunity to standardize things, really gain trust and show that dentistry is a state-of-the-art type of profession, obviously. But I've heard you say, and I think others as well, that there's a tremendous opportunity for an increase in the volume of implants that I think there's something like 
I may be completely wrong, but around 5 million implants that are placed in the United States. And if that were a treatment option for more people, not that if the economics were to change tremendously, but just if it were being treatment plan, that there's something in the magnitude of like a 10 times increase that could occur. What are things that you think a surgeon could take back to their practice tomorrow or a dentist could take back to their practice to sort of move towards that, maybe not 10 times, but what are things that will contribute to making that a treatment option for more patients? Several factors could lead to a, an increased number of implants. The first one, I would say, is still education. For all the general dentists that are treatment planning patients, knowing what dental implant can do, and instead of looking only at quadrant dentistry, but also having a holistic perspective of what could be done, is uh, still very helpful. And this is still something we need to keep doing together with a specialist, being able to educate all the dentists that are sometimes implant conscious, but even not understanding the full extent about dental implant possibilities, especially with those uh, immediacy now solutions. There is almost no indication where you cannot place implants with those graftless procedure or, you know, we see so many clinicians that are gifted in terms of a surgical ability. Then the, we need to make sure that all general practitioners can really understand the possibility of implant and also the outcome of implant afterwards from a quality of life of patients. And while there are there is a lot of work that has been done in the past on this, I think we still have a lot of information we can deliver to those general practitioners, but also to the public around us. The second thing is, uh, obviously, from a technology standpoint, I believe from a technology standpoint, we can still drive efficiency. We can still help, let's say, clinicians explaining what implant is about to a patient. And for this, we know that digitalization is now very, very helpful. You can create a, a digital twin of the patient and uh, you can uh, digitize his own situation with a CBCT and, uh, and an ultra scanner. And uh, now all uh, AI is allowing you to have a, an immediate match of the situation. And you can really easily present to the patient his situation. What would be the rendering then with an implant? functionally and aesthetically uh, by those uh, smile design or or even just some easy explanation by the clinician for really the patient to be able to understand what is doing it and what is not doing it. Very often, you know, the kind of lip support and the bone loss are not well explained. And I think this would be also a very strong motivational information for a patient to conduct implants. And of course, then the, the support in the treatment execution with guided surgery, thanks to a now very uh, easy way of printing surgical guide could help then the clinicians to place more implants, to feel more confident in placing more implants, but also to increase efficiency of the people knowing well to place implants, to be able to also deliver much more and support much more patients in the clinical time that they have available. And we see that with many customers, with many clinicians, and you are a very good example on driving efficiency within your practices. We see that people that are experienced can do much more with gaining efficiency in their processes thanks to digitalization. 
he had said earlier that organizations don't change, individuals change. And I think that's probably exactly the case with this. It's like dentistry doesn't change, individual dentists, individual surgeons change. So I think you're right. It's like all about education. Like hopefully we can scale ways of educating and like having consolidated organizations that can help do that probably will spur that along. But I think that's been really fun about my job is like, how do we all develop as clinicians? And, you know, hopefully how do we develop some tools or ways of communicating or tapping into great resources? And this conversation is like, is meant to be one of those things so that hopefully all of our surgeons can change a little bit each day. Well, I guess lastly, I just, you've been such a visionary. If you had one area of technology or is there one thing that has the ability to transform dentistry in the next five or 10 years or, or what should we sort of be preparing for? I think there are going to be two areas that are going to change significantly the way dentistry is going to be made, or some of dentistry, at least. I believe biotechnology will change a lot of things. You know that there are projects about growing dentin, or there are some new biotechnology that will come in changing healing treatment phase. And I think there might be some really interesting side of development that will come from the medicine side that we can learn from, I'm sure. The second side is obviously digitalization and uh, all the, um, the capability to support clinicians in their diagnostic and in their treatment execution. AI and data management with big data, we are going to help very significantly clinicians to understand what they do in real time, being able to take the right decisions in a much more short-term time frame. And it will completely redefine the clinician experience. And uh, we know that AI will change also a lot of the processes within the dental practice. A lot of patient communication will be able to be outsourced to AI. And uh, we will be able also to drive then the, the time of clinicians being dedicated to clinical time and not about a lot of uh, administrative tasks and the follow-up of a lot of those processes in the practice. And we are looking forward to this. We are investing in those areas significantly as an organization to be able to stay at the forefront as innovation has been a, a major way for us to keep delivering on clinician expectations. But yeah, I think those two areas will see some uh, significant breakthrough moving forward. Well, I've been fortunate to get to work with CareStack and Strauman on some AI projects as it relates to practice management. And I think there's just the future there is tremendous. So I'm really excited to see what you guys continue to develop. I thank you so much for your time. As always, I've learned a lot and love to do this again in the future. Thank you, David. That was also a pleasure. And uh, thanks for doing those podcasts because, again, learning is uh, an exciting way to continue growing as a person and individual. And I thank you. This is an amazing initiative that you are doing here. And I'm looking forward to hearing the next ones because uh, I have learned in uh, a lot of those former episodes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, thank you. Take care. You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept.